Praise the Lord, church. Oh, come on, somebody. Mm. Oh, we can do better than that. We can do a whole lot better than that. I want somebody who hasn't worshipped the Lord like you needed to to step out and begin to worship the Lord like you really needed to. Come on, we don't need to worry about who's next to you. You don't need to worry about who's in front of you or who's behind you. If God's been good to you, if God's done something for you, somebody make some noise for the Lord right now. Come on, somebody lift up your voice in adoration to a God who has not failed you yet. Somebody, you need to make a desperate cry. Jesus, I need you right now. I'm going to tell you right now, we are going to fight together, but there, there will be a fight tonight. I felt it when I walked into the service. I talked to somebody else. They felt it when they walked into the service. There's going to be a fight tonight. But, brother, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't plan on losing this fight tonight. I don't know what you came to do. I don't know what's in your mind tonight, but I'm telling you, I'm not walking out here without the victory. I'm not going to walk out of here without some closure in my mind and my family being healed and my family being saved and God doing something for me. Some of y'all believe that, and you know what? You're going to get healed and touched tonight. Philippians 3 and 10. I had this message for a while now, and Brother Farhat, two Wednesdays ago, was pretty much preaching it. And I was like, well, I guess I won't ever preach that message. And then uh, he was all over it. And then this morning, everybody was all over it. And I was like, I guess that's confirmation. We'll preach it together. Amen. Philippians 3 and 10. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made confirmed to his death. I want you to focus in on that one little part. That I may know him. I want everybody to do it with me one more time. That I may know him. Everybody, let's pray together. Let's see what God's going to do in this house. Jesus, we need you in this place. God, I need you to remove all doubts and fears out of my mind. I need you to clear my mind right now so I can do your will. God, I'm asking you right now, begin to move among your people. I'm asking you right now to let the healing virtue flow. God, from the top of this pulpit to the very ending of this church, I'm asking you let there be healing take place. Let there be mercy go forth. Let sins be forgiven. Let lives be renewed. Let things happen in the miraculous that hasn't happened before yet. In the name of Jesus, I believe it. I have faith that you are walking and moving among us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Somebody in Jesus' name. Come on, there's still power. In the name of Jesus. Somebody help me. 
You gotta get desperate sometimes. You've gotta reach with all you've got. This is not just another service. It can be if you want it to, but it can be different if you wanna walk out of here different. That's totally up to you. Amen. If you promise to help me preach and help me not to blow my vocal cords all over the wall, you may be seated. Oh, yes. That I may know him. Church, I want to know who Jesus is. And there, after we're done, we're going to see that there is a difference in what I'm saying. Anybody, if you go across the world, you can say, who's Jesus? And somebody's going to tell you, tell you who Jesus is. Even if they don't even believe in him. Even if they're not even a Christian. Even if they hate this. Even if they're an atheist. They're going to know who Jesus is. Amen. Lots of people know who Jesus is. You see, our God is a good God. Oh, yes, he is. Not only is he good, but he is good all the time. And it never ceases. And it never stops. He is just good. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't change him. Nothing you can say can change his mind from being good. There's nothing you're going to do that's going to change him from being, for being good to you. I don't care how much you hate God. I don't care how much you leave God. I don't care how much you don't want to go to church. You can't change the fact that he's still good. Our God... I said, our God is good. The Bible says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. I feel the Holy Ghost was with God and the word was God. And then when you break, go down a little further to ver, uh, the chapter, verse 1, 14, it says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. God said it's not good enough just to be in heaven. I've got to go down among them and I've got to get them out of their sin. I've got to do something to get them out of the place that they're in. So the Bible says he looked over heaven and he said, okay, I got to do something. And he robed himself in a body. I guess everybody already knows this and is tired of it. I said he robed himself out of glory, out of the presence of the angels, out of being continuously praised. He robed himself in flesh and dwelt among us. Us rotten sinners, heathens and hateful people. He robed himself and said, I'll be one of them. If I'm going to understand them, I've got to be them. Oh, God, help me, Jesus, tonight. Revelation says that he is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The word says that he is the King of kings and 
the Lord of Lords. Listen to what I'm about to say to you. There's not a measurement that can measure his, his, his righteousness and unfailing, relentless love for us. There's not a measurement that can measure his relentless love for us. There's not an army that can stop him from getting to you. There's not a devil in hell that can put a stop to a God that cannot be stopped. There's nothing in this world that can stop him from getting to your heart or your mind. Listen, when I say... When I am weak, he is strong. When I am afraid, he is fearless. When, the, when I am in darkness and it's all around me, the Bible says he is a light unto my path. Is anybody here to help me tonight? I guess I'm preaching to myself. That's all right. He's the hope for the hopeless. He's the joy in your sorrow. Brother Boone, he's the peace in your storm. Ah, he's a father to the fatherless. Come on, somebody. Act like you know him. Come on, somebody. Act like you know him. Come on, somebody. I'm still waiting on you. Act like you know him. Act like you know him. Act like you know him. Has anybody got the Holy Ghost in the house? If you do, then you know him. Has anybody been worshiping the Lord? If you are, then you know him. Has anybody been healed by the master? If you have, then you know him. Somebody. Reach back into your past and realize where you were. You're on, you were in a room, doping up, drinking up, and God said, I can make something out of your life. Somebody act like you know it. I know him because when I was in my darkest valley, when I had no hope, when I had no future, he said, I can still use you. Even you're a broken vessel. I still can patch you up and fill you up and use you. That's why I know him. When I was in sin, he was my forgiveness. When I was broken, he was my mender. When I was sick, he was my healer. I guess this is for some of you, but I need this tonight. God is still my healer. He's still my hope. He's still my future. He's still my... Let me say this. This is not three gods. I did too. This is not three gods that's doing these miraculous things. Let me just tiptoe on that for a minute. This is not Confucius or however you say it or Buddha or Muhammad. I don't know if you checked the last time I looked. They're not alive. 
And last time I checked, they're all dead. Every last one of them. Every God, every man that's claimed to be a God has come and he's gone. But I know one man. I said, I know one man that died. And they said he should still be dead. The world tries to still make him dead. But the last time I read the book, the Bible says that he's alive with all power, with the keys to hell, death, and the grave. I know him. Oh, yeah, I know him. I know him. Somebody shout it with all of your lungs. I know him. One more time. My God, my God, my God. If this doesn't excite you like it does me, your wood's wet. You need to check yourself. You need to go find somewhere else to go find a corner to pray in. Because I'm telling you right now, there's a God in the house. He loves you unconditionally. He still wants to save your children. He still wants to bring your black, the backsliders in. He still wants to heal your body. He still wants to get you off of addiction. This God is in this house and he's not dead and he's not going anywhere I don't care if you take him out of school I don't care if you take him off of money I don't care what the, if the law says it's illegal he ain't going nowhere how can you shut up a God that you cannot shut up Isaiah said, I am the first and I am the last. And beside me, there is no God. Galatians said he got in on it. He says, but God is one. And Ephesians said, there is one God and one and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. John 10 and 30 said, I am the first in the last, in John 10 and 30 said, I and my father are one. Does anybody know him? I'm not being arrogant. I'm just having fun because I'm going to tell you right now, in prayer and when I was putting this together, I fought hell. And that's all right because we're going to have a good time. And hell is not going to have a good time. Does anybody know him? He is called the Lamb of God. He is called the resurrection. He is called high priest. He is called the true vine. He is called the almighty. He is called savior. He is called good shepherd. He is called teacher somebody. This is every aspect of your life. He is called the uh, son of man. He is called the king of the Jews. He is called an anchor. He is called the morning star. He is called the living water. He is called Messiah, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is called wonderful. He is called counselor. He is called the rose of Sharon. He is called the bread of life. He is called the way, the truth, and the life. Does anybody 
know him. I wonder if there would be anybody in the house that would raise your hand and say, yeah, I know this God. Oh, come on, somebody. Is there anybody who would be brave enough to stand up and say, yeah, I know this God. Is there anybody who can say, yeah, I can leap for joy for this God that I know. Come on, somebody, you got to dig in deep. You got to put your pride to the side. It don't matter anymore. Somebody, you've got to worship the Lord like your life depended on it. It's not for Brother Dunn, but I'm going to break through a spirit that's been trying to put you down and tell you that you can't worship. Oh, no, don't do that, honey. Don't you dare lift your hands. Don't you dare worship the Lord. Don't you dare leave for joy. Don't you dare leave for joy, brother. Don't you dare do it. Is anybody sick of it? Anybody tired of it? Do you get fed up with it? Oh, I get sick of it. I get so tired of it. I get tired of it because when I got here, the devil said, you're worthless. He said, I'm worthless, brother. When I got here, I'm not, I'm not making this stuff up. I didn't tell my wife this because it scared her to death. He said, you're worthless. He said, everybody in this house is going to judge you. And for a moment, I began to believe it. For a moment, I was like, wow. Man, they are. Oh, my word. I'm worthless. But then I thought about my title. And I thought about it. I know God. And God doesn't think I'm worthless. And God doesn't see me as a nobody. And God has value in me when I can't see it in myself. Does anybody know him? Does anybody know these titles? What is this man's name? What? What? The most powerful name that still destroys hell. The most powerful name that still tears the gates of hell down. The same name that can make the devils tremble at the very mention of the name. I know this God. The Bible says he is the Alpha and the Omega. That means that he's going to be your beginning and he's going to be your ending. Somebody help me. His name is Jesus, the name above every name, the name that cannot be stopped, the name that no matter what people say cannot be destroyed. Is anybody still excited about the name of Jesus? Is anybody still excited that the blood came down on you and forgave your sins and washed you clean and started you over again? He didn't have to, but he did. He loved you so much that he gave you another chance.
I think it'd be appropriate just to take a few minutes and let's worship the Lord because God is really about to do something in this house. Come on, do you know him? Come on, do you know him? Come on, somebody. Some of you have been saved for a long time, but your relationship with him has dwindled, and you don't know him like you used to. You don't know him like you used to. Jesus. Come on, we're going to press forward in just a minute. We'll, We'll continue in just a minute, but I want God to do what he wants to do right now. This is not hype. I'm not here to hype you up. I'm here to, I'm, I'm here to try to get your mind open. That's all I'm trying to do tonight. There are walls in your life that need to come down and it needs to come down tonight because I'm telling somebody these walls will separate you from the love of God not God's love for you but you will separate yourself for things in this world that will not measure up to the love of God you may be seated To know in definition is to be aware through observation, inquiry, or information. That's one definition. To know somebody can simply be, I've read the author's story. Never met the man, but I read his story. That's what that means. Or an acquaintance. Hey, brother, how you doing? That's good. Your name's Seth? Cool dude. But I don't know Seth that well. well I, I really do. He's my analogy for right now. The other definitions that have developed, listen to this very carefully, to have developed a relationship with someone through meeting or spending time with them. Two different viewpoints of the same word. To know somebody can be an acquaintance. But to spend time with somebody to get to understand them is to know them. Like when my wife gets home from shopping, I know her well enough that she bought something she should have not bought at the thrift store. And she's going to hide that dress in the closet. 
and I know this because I know her. But let's say some other lady in the church goes and buys the dress and she wears it. And, cool. I don't, you know, I don't really know them that well because they're not my wife. It's the difference in between knowing somebody and to actually know them. To know about somebody, to actually know them. Now, this is where it takes a weird turn. Bear with me as I muddle through it. The book of Isaiah, he is prophesying of the crucifixion of Christ. And I was going to try to read all of this, and I don't think I'm going to. I might try to read some of it. We'll see. I, I, when I read a lot too fast, I mumble over a bunch of stuff. So, Isaiah 53. This is talking about the prophecy. He's prophesying of the crucifixion of Jesus. And um, it goes through, and it's talking about who he is, and there's no beauty to desire him. There's nothing in Jesus that you would say, that's a good-looking fella, you know, like we say about Seth. Ain't that right, Shane? There was nothing about him that was beautiful. All those names that I mentioned a minute ago, the Rose of Sharon, the anchor, strong tower, the beginning and the end, and the first and the last, all these names, these titles. But when I was a kid, this always stuck out to my mind. This always stuck out to me. Even as a little boy, I, I just, I remember having <clears throat> the same poster we have in there in the prayer room. And it's, he shall be called. And it goes through this list. But the one name that stuck out to me, it was the man of sorrows. The man of sorrows. And I'm like, how can this God, this, this amazing, loving God, have all these beautiful names that are just so poetic and then just get this one name that's just so dark and so broken. But if you read it, he said he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one form of a man hid their faces and he was despised and we esteemed him not. Listen to this. Surely he was born of our griefs and carried our sorrows. So the reason why Isaiah is prophesying this is he's saying God's going to come. He's a man of sorrows. And the reason is, is because he's got to carry our sorrows. And that's why he died, right? You keep on reading. And this is where it gets interesting for me. And maybe I just see things weird. And that's fine. But if you keep on reading, in verse 9 it says, And they made his grave, and they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death. Now from what I could study for that, what I could see in that, was when they made his grave with the wicked, it's they meant that he was going to be crucified between two thieves. 
It's the way I put that together. And if I'm wrong, you can correct me later. And then he, with a rich man to, in his death, was going to be the rich man in the grave he was going to be buried in. Now, saying all that, let me flip over to here. So, now this brings me to Luke chapter 23, verses 32. Yeah. I'm slowing it down for a reason because I'm trying to get this point out without messing it up. Two others. Now, this is the crucifixion. This is not the prophecy. This is in the book of Luke, New Testament. Jesus has just been sentenced, falsely accused, now He's about to go to the cross. And he's about to die. And it's given the description of what's going on. And it says the two others who were criminals were laid away to be put to death with him. Talking about Jesus. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the two criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Skip it down to 39. This is where it gets cool. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Listen to this. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we, have, we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you, go, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, or he said to him, truly, I say unto you today, today that you will be with me in paradise. Now, this stuck out to me the most. It's these two thieves. There is not a lot said about them other than they were crucified next to Jesus. There's not a lot known about them. You don't hear much about them. You know, there's not a chapter on the thieves. We don't really know what their lives were like, Brother Seth. We really don't even know how, what kind of relationship they they had with Jesus. All I know is that these two thieves had one thing in common. They both deserved the punishment. That's what made them equal. They both deserve the punishment. Church, I had this burning question in my mind today. And it's bothered me for a good bit. And my question is, how can we be so close to God and still go to hell? How can you be so close to God and still go to hell? Let that sink into your head just for a moment. He's close enough to see Jesus' sweat, his blood. 
He's close enough to see the agony, the gasping of air. One of them said, if you be the Christ, aren't you the Christ? Save us and save yourself. Save us and save yourself. And the other said, no, 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 no. You got it all wrong. You got it all wrong. He said, do you not fear God? And he keeps talking and he says, Jesus, remember me. See, you can know God. You can know about him. Or you can know God. You can know about God. Or you can know him. And see, the difference is this, church, is that you could have had a relationship with him 20 years ago that was unmovable, but somewhere along the line gets drifted, and you don't know God. I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to myself. Brother, you know, here's here's a good example. Brother Pixler, where's he at? Raise your hand. Good-looking fella. Brother Pixler, if I can use this, his testimony this morning, I commend you because it takes guts to stand in front of people. It takes, it takes guts to stand in front of people and say, look, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm going through. But Brother Pixler is, the, is, the, is a prime example of what I'm talking about. Now, I don't believe Brother Pixler don't know God. I believe he has a good relationship with him. I don't know that for sure. But that's how I perceive it. But he even said it himself. Back in Bible college, I didn't, it didn't matter where the money came. I knew it was coming. And then he said, but when you get a kid and you get a wife and things get in the way, you know, those things are not getting in the way, but you know what I mean. When things, when life kind of starts turning on you and you lose your job, then you begin to panic and worry, oh, But if God hasn't failed you then, then he's not going to fail you now. You know? And that's what he was talking about. Is that if God was faithful then, he's going to be faithful now. That's the difference in knowing about God and actually knowing God. See, one of them, it was the God that he didn't know. See, I've been there. I've been on both sides of this thing. And some of you have too. Where it was a God that you knew he was coming for you. You knew if you were hurting, he was going to heal your body. You knew and you had faith that he can move a mountain. But time and its things get in its way. And the devil comes in with his lies and his deceitfulness and gets in the way. And then all of a sudden, you don't know God anymore. You see, church, there's nothing wrong with worship. We have to worship. It's the biggest release that you can have is to worship. But the difference is, is that we can worship all day long and not know God. 
I could scream my guts out up here all night, all night, and you still didn't know God. But by the end of this thing, I want you to know him. I don't want you to know about him. I want you to know him. I want your relationship with him to be so deep and so unmovable. How can you be so close to God and still go to hell? How can we come in the church and be so close to the spirit and the moving of God? I don't know if anybody felt the presence of the Lord. I, I still do, but that ushering in and the presence of God coming in, to feel that, to know that, to pray in tongues and to close your eyes and just hear. You don't have to say a word, brother. I've prayed before. I, I didn't even pray. I just sat there and just wept because of the presence of God. I've been in services where the presence of God was so thick it was like a cloud. And it was, I just rubbed my eyes and it was still there, the presence of God. Brother, I'm not making this up. Y'all call me cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and that's fine. I've been in prayer before and travail so deep. You can ask my wife about this. I was in an upstairs room. I haven't told many people this because I think they would think I was crazy. I was in an upstairs balcony praying and seeking God and travailing and, and just wanted to touch God. And I literally said, I didn't feel nothing. I said, God, I, I, said, I just want to feel your touch. And brother, I'm not making it up. And if I was, God can take me out of this world. I literally felt a hand twice the size of mine reach down onto my back and press against me and let go. And I instantly travailed for about an hour and I never come out of it. Call me crazy. But I felt those times and moments. And I felt the Shekinah glory of God. And I still, at times, walked away and didn't know him. One thief went to heaven, and the other went to hell. Both of them knew him, but only one actually knew him. Church life is too short not to know the depth and the mercy of God. Life is too short to not seek the depth that God wants to take you. Do you want to continue? Going down the path, knowing about God, or do you want to know Him? I want to pour everything that I am into the Lord. Because I really, really, really want to know him. 
Now, I know we went on a high and we just kind of come to the bottom, but I wanted that because I want us to realize in our hearts, I want you to dig in your soul that praise and worship is, you need it. But there's something about the depth of God and knowing the heartbeat of the Lord and that place of travail. You're talking about, I can't say hunger. Am I saying that right? Hunger? Hungry? You're talking about being hungry? Hungry? Seek God with all that you are for two, three days and watch God reveal something to you. I challenge you. Brother Dunn, I haven't prayed in a long time. Sometimes you don't even have to pray. God shows up in your midst. Sometimes you just got to sit there quietly. And if the only thing you can say is Jesus, say Jesus. I've said Jesus until until the Holy Ghost fell. I mean, but I want to know him. Musicians, let's get ready. I want to read one more scripture. Church, it's very easy. And y'all know this. And I'm not talking to a bunch of dum-dums. I know where I know my place here. I know where I belong. I know. So I'm not talking out of arrogance or pride. But it doesn't matter your age, no disrespect. I love my elders. Love my elders. But it has nothing to do with age. You could have known God when you were 12 and be 66 years old right now and not knowing. It's just nothing but a memory. And we can ride on that coattail as long as we can, but that's not going to get you into heaven. And I'm about to prove the point. I'm about to prove this. I don't want to be accounted for not knowing him. Because when I go to heaven and I stand before God, he's going to know if I knew him or not. Because the Bible says in Matthew 7, verse 21, Now, y'all listen to this. If this doesn't shake your mind, if this doesn't get to you, something's wrong. When I read this to myself, it awoken me today. And I examined my own self. Go ahead and start playing, bro. Matthew 7 and 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But that one who does well of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Think about that. Did we not prophesy in your your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? 
Did we not do all these wonderful things, Lord? We did it in your name because we knew you. We're not talking about just people off the streets. We're talking about people who live for God. We're talking, we're talking about preachers. We're talking about people who know him. Influence. And then listen to what he says. He said, did we not cast out demons in your name? And did we not do many works in your name? And he will declare to them. See, if you don't know him, he's going to say to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Why didn't he not know him? Because they didn't know him. Not like they should have. See, church, he's the God I never knew. Now, I don't know where you stand tonight, but if I was in that thief's position, I wouldn't want to be the one mocking. Church, could we stand? Now, I don't know what you need from the Lord. I don't, I don't know what you need to do to get it right. But I am here to tell you that there's an opportunity for you tonight. What a shame to be right here in the presence of God. Sister Fournette, what a shame to be in the presence of the Almighty God. Redemption, mercy, a brand new start over. And then walk out not knowing Him. What a shame. What a tragedy. If this is your first time in a Pentecostal apostolic church, I know it seems like we're crazy. We're not crazy. I'm crazy for Jesus. I'll tell you that. We're not crazy. God wants to do something for you, ma'am, sir. He wants to touch your body. He wants to give you the Holy Ghost. He wants to turn your life around. But church, I'm asking you, if you feel your need, I would encourage you to come to the altar and to pray. Come on. He's the God I did not know. Church, that one thief that said, you shouldn't talk like that to him. One thing he didn't understand either was God did forgive him. And God brought him into paradise. All because he said, no, I know this guy. I know him. I don't want to go to heaven and stand before God who knows all and him not know who I am. Come on, church, with the depth of your heart, begin to just cry out to the Lord, Jesus, I need you. 
Sir, it's been a while. It's been a while since you just really poured yourself out to the presence of God. Maybe you've been busy. Maybe you've been busy with the right things and the right motives. But even in your busyness, somewhere you got off. And you need to know him again. Oh, God. Jesus. If you're around somebody and you're not praying, why don't you put a hand on someone and begin to pray for them? Because there's somebody in the house that really needs to be touched of the Lord. If this was your daughter, your son, if this was you, you would want prayer. Come on. How can we get so close to the presence of God and still go to hell? How can we be so close to the presence of God and still not be touched by His glory? What pride holds you back? Come on, what past hurt holds you back from the presence of God? What foolishness holds you back from becoming what God has called you to be? What substance holds you back from fully letting God do what He wants to do? It's a sad day when the rapture takes place and people who know Him or did know Him won't make it. Come on, somebody, I need you to pray. Come on, seek God right now. Jesus. Jesus.